And now, here's your host, Alessandra Torrezani. It's been a minute, David. It's been a minute. Oh, look at how shiny my forehead is. But you're looking gorgeous. <laughs> we are here in a top secret government building, and you have microscopes in the background mapping things out. It's just wild and crazy and fun. And I wouldn't expect anything less from Super Dad David Haggerty. <laughs> I like Super Dad. That's a new name for you. I mean, I like go with that. I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, I'm shaking my head. I'm doing physical movements on an audio podcast again. Once again, still, still hasn't like, learned. I'll never learn. That's called resilience, folks. <laughs> the real question is, how are you really? How am I really? I'm okay. I think that 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 I'm running into at full speed the conundrum that modern parents with careers face, mm. such that you can't be everywhere all at once. Sure, sure. Like I am, I am. For the interim, sort of my my, my emotional and, and psychological self is attached to my physical self. Right. So, like, I feel the need to be at work and do stuff. And, like, I have a team of people that work under me and I need to be a good boss and a good mentor. And then I have to leave and go home and be a dad and be a good partner and, like, do all that stuff. And then it's just, like, I wake up every day life goes by at a million miles an hour mm. and then like at the end of the day i'm like <sighs> and then you go to sleep and like on a day-to-day things are like stressful and like you know like all of the sure. things but like if i zoom out a little bit like i'm great like i have nothing to complain about right like, right right i'm a healthy child i have a good relationship i'm a join in this role and being a team lead and like all this stuff. Like, I have nothing to objectively complain about other than the monotony of life. Well, <laughs> no, I know, but I think that, that is, like, it is, is a lot. But I don't know, like my mental health is good, like in a very general sense, because like it is, this is what we're going to go like super heady and meta just directly, just yeah, from sure. the get go, just jump into it. I don't know how to describe my mental health being good. I have a lot of experience mm. and a lot of detailed vocabulary to describe to people in like extreme complexity how I am doing when things are bad. Mm -hmm. Like you build that muscle. Sure. Like if you're somebody who has a mental health problem or a diagnosis, yada, yada, whatever. Like you get really, really good describing what it's like to feel bad in acute ways to try and to validate to people to, to destigmatize like all this stuff. Mm -hmm. You spend a lot of time doing that. I have no vocabulary to describe how I am doing when like things are fine. I just don't know. The other side of that, I have no idea how to talk about it. Like things well, are great. Like whoop de do. Like right. I don't well, I don't I mean, know. Like I run out of words. I don't think that you would even have to say that things are in quote unquote great. I think that things are at a place where it's unbalanced, right? It's, I mean, where it's balanced. That's what I'm saying. Sorry, yeah, yeah, not yeah, unbalanced, but like, where it's balanced. But it's not that it's like everything is amazing and it's great. It's like 
you know what? You're on like, it's like, you're almost like you're on a conveyor belt right now. And like, you're just going and like, there's nothing like bad. That's like taking you off the conveyor belt. There's nothing that's like, Oh my God. Like, it's like, you're let's use the example. It's like, you're Mr. Potato Head. And I say this cause I just got this for a lady for Christmas. So I'm like rolling into Mr. Potato Head again, but it's like, you know, like all your pieces are on. Like the kid hasn't come and like taken your eyeballs off or like ripped a leg off or an arm off. You know, it's like you're doing good. But like at the same time, you're still a plastic toy that's like just trying to get through life. (laughs) (laughs) So like it's not awesome. Like you, but at the same time, like someone's not cooking you and eating you, you know? Is this like a little weird? Is it a little bizarre? I'm just really on the Mr. Potato Head kick right now. No, it's fine. It's fine. We can stick with it. I, I, I just like I've I've been noticing lately that like I like you look at the world of of mental health vocabulary content yeah. influence whatever, and it's like my personal trajectory has been like. I was really sick for a, 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 a chronic but, but acute part of my life. Right. I did a lot of work. I've been in therapy for the last decade. I've taken drugs. I've done this. I've done that. Like, I've I, I done all the stuff. You've done the like stuff. You, 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 you like, sure. reach out into the world and you're like, what should I do when I feel this way? And I've consumed all there is to consume. Mm-hmm. I've, I've worked through these things. I continue to work on them. I feel like I've gone from A to B. Mm. Like, I, I feel like someone should give me, like, uh, I have completed the quest. The quest. Like, I get an award, I've done the sure. thing. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, life is and not over. What? But, like, I, I completed this part of the educational span and timeline. I learned a bunch about myself. I learned how to take care of myself. I learned, like, all these things. And I don't feel, from a sociological standpoint, that I am sick anymore quote unquote but like I've, I've run that rat race i've gotten to the end of it there are parts where you know it, it it wavers now like you dip back in you come back up like things are bad things are good but like it doesn't feel pathological or like illness or like any of this stuff anymore and it requires maintenance like all the things all the details and, and ramifications that come with that but like i got so good at talking about myself and and working through that feeling and emotion and describing to people and like going through all the emotions and being like, oh, like my mental health is not good. And now I feel like I'm sort of out the other side on that. And it's like, I know how to talk about myself in the past. And I know how to talk about feeling bad. But man, is it really hard for me to like sit down and be like, hmm, how am I doing right now? Sure. Like, I just don't sure. feel like it's, it's a sort of like an air gap of like, oh, uh, things are I- good. And I don't want to disappoint people because they they know me. So they knew what it was like to see David at his worst. And now I feel like I'm obligated to describe to them that I'm not that person anymore and things are okay. But like, also, even if things are a little bit bad, you shouldn't worry about me because it's not going to slip back to that. Sure, to live inside my own head is running a marathon at full speed all the time. No, no, but, no, I don't mean that. I mean, like, do you think that because it's interesting, you and I are both in a very similar place where I don't feel ill, right? I don't feel no, like yeah, there's no. something wrong. Um, but there are moments where I feel like, oh, I, I, this is a familiar feeling. 
oh, I know what this is, but I have mm -hmm. this tool that can work with me. And this actually is a great way to start because it's something that I've been thinking about wanting to talk to you about. And, and this is a great segue. Mm -hmm. But do you ever feel like it's your mind playing a trick on you where it's like, oh, haha, you think you're good, but I'm really like self-destructing you and you're going to like explode inside your brain and like everything's going to like unravel and it's going to be crazy again. Or are you like, oh no, I'm healed. Like, right? Because they mm. always tell you when you feel your best, right? With bipolar disorder specifically. Yeah, 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 that, that, yeah. When you feel your best, it's usually when it's about to be a manic episode and like the end is near, like... And so you know, I'm at that point and I'm like, oh, what's, this? Mm -hmm. what's the next surprise? Like, what's the time the next box? <laughs> I mean, like the answer is yes, but I can tell the difference now. Yeah. Do you I think used it's to because not we have be to able... live for someone else now? Well, I think that's a help. But I also think there's many people who have gone through what we go through and having a tiny version of themselves does more harm than good. Do you know what I mean? Like we won that, yeah. we won that coin flip. I think we totally won that coin flip. And I think also I, I, I find that I, well, we've talked about this before that when I started my medication for my bipolar disorder, I was 21, 22 years old. And mm -hmm. that's a very important part and time in your life. Yeah, developmental. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So, um, you know, this is like my, like, you know, I remember when you told me that you were pregnant and we'd like spent a lot of time talking about you going off your meds and the stigma and like all that stuff and like people being yeah. worried and then a people magazine article sure. coming out and, and then people being like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, yeah. like, yada, yada, yada. like we ran that experiment yeah. for all intents. Sure. We're completely fine. Yeah. Yeah. And but like, why? But why? Do we know why? Well, well, I think because you do the other things in life besides pharmacological management of bipolar disorder that, that, that make it sure. so. And this isn't a, meant to be a comment being like these drugs are useless. But yeah. I think that, and they're very useful, but I think that you grow and you age and, and the, the disorder grows with you and you, sure. you, you develop new coping mechanisms that are probably a little bit healthier than the ones that you had in your early 20s and yada, 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 and all this stuff. And it's like, man, you get out the other side of it and you always sort of look over your shoulder being like, when is it going to come for me again? But the, 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 the more and more that it, doesn't show up or the time between when things get gets longer and longer and you sort of just like get to this other side of like i don't know man like my mental health isn't bad i still deal with the same frustrating acute parts of being alive sure. that everybody else does and i'm angry and i'm happy and i'm sad and all the mixture and everything in between sure. but i just like feel like even when things are bad i'm at peace in a way that i was never at peace before in describing that to people who haven't gone through the thing we've gone through, right, feels almost impossible. Yeah, and yeah. there is no content, engagement, influence, 
social media posts, TikToks explaining any of what we're talking about. They're all stuck. They're all stuck. There can be now because we're consequently making a piece of media about it. But I do think that mental health literature, conversation, publications, academia, like all that stuff is so, I don't want to say stuck, but I want to say the focus mainly is start the conversation, destigmatize, talk to your dog. Like, and that's wildly needed. You know, like we're yeah. missing a lot of people. They're falling through the cracks. Like we need to approach that there. But like, I feel like we need to start having the conversation of like, okay, guys, we're doing a good job. It's been 10 years of, of, you know, in your face conversations about mental health. People are finally getting to the point, which I never thought I would see in my lifetime, just like voluntarily giving up drinking, giving up like doing things that hurt themselves, like finding, finding new coping mechanisms that are happier and healthier for you. Like people are finally taking care of themselves in a way that is like culturally acceptable. That was like not a thing for hundreds of years. You're talking you know in the I mean? sense of like they're taking care it of It is cool and trendy to like be a healthy individual now. Wellness and right. – Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like when you fast forward 50 years from now and they go back and they make a show the same way that we were 50 years ahead of them making Mad Men, it's going to like be people eating like – kale and drinking smoothies whereas like when you looked at mad men it was like misogyny and being drunk on the job all the time right like Wait, what we've a good time. entered that <laughs> <laughs> but you know what i mean like we've entered a, a, a space where it's cool and and trendy and people are on board with being like i'm gonna prioritize my health mm-hmm. and like part of that comes i'm gonna and it's been more of a lag but like people are like on board with prioritizing their mental health too now not just physical it's not just body appearance it's not just like the plastic surgery boom of the early 2000s like it's like people are on board now and i feel like sometimes like how i live my life sort of everywhere like i've been ahead of that curve and i feel like we're some of the first people to reach the other side and be like man it's really hard to describe to people who are stuck not stuck but like we're mentally three or four years behind where I am at Mm. in their engagement around mental health. Like the stuff that people are putting out, like I can say this because I, and I think you work with them too, but like I'm a, a, was a student ambassador for the Jed foundation work with the academics. Like they're so their core messaging. is just like start the conversation, engage around mental health. And that's not bad. It's totally needed, but I'm so far past that, that that messaging doesn't land with me anymore. And like when people are only communicating through the language of what they're seeing on TikTok or social media or like like the, the, the current cultural expectations of like how we talk about mental health, I like feel like learning that language pulls me back in time and like doesn't actually represent how I'm feeling. So like right. now that we've like really pulled the thread out on the question of like, how are you really doing? Like. I feel like the lack of language that I have around it is sort of a product of how we've socialized speaking about but mental health, what creating content about so it, like whatever. Yeah. What I think and it's is like so ironic fun. to be on a podcast talking about mental health 
doing it and then like shitting the very <laughs> shitting is very interesting but, it, you but it's about interesting the younger generation right and how mm-hmm. we're saying how oh it's about starting the conversation and whatnot mm-hmm. i have to be honest like i have cousins i have a very big family right and and mm-hmm. no siblings but like very big mm-hmm. cousins and age range you know and they are from mid-20s i would say late 20s early 30s all the way down to like six or seven years old you know and every every generation, I will say, like from the youngest to the oldest, they all talk about mental health. It's mm-hmm. not a weird thing. It's very conversational. It's not strange. They talk about sexuality. They talk about, you know, yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. Where like, I don't mean sexuality like, oh, they talk about like, ooh, we're having sex. Like, no, there's open dialogue about transgender there's open dialogue about identity all that mm-hmm. and i feel like what these organizations right and what people are kind of missing is the how are you really conversation the let's start the conversation about mental health really needs to be the generation above us and above beyond right yeah because yeah all this stuff is like supposed to be targeted at young people and i'm like you're wasting your dollars are already doing they it don't need it because they're it is so natural to them it is it is like how are you doing it's like such a easy conversation to have and and it's great and that's what's so amazing mm-hmm. but it's like when they're trying when we're trying to talk to you know parents or grandparents or colleagues that are older and about mental health and they're like are you okay oh we don't talk about that you know that is where yeah i feel like things need i to feel be sandwiched in between those two generations though like well i think i'm gonna speak for all millennials i think millennials <laughs> are so fucked on so many levels well, yeah, like, yeah. we have been through um, so much <laughs> we no but i like that. i get it and it's like weird now in like a sense of like i feel sandwiched between those two generations yeah and I think it's easier to talk to like the like beautiful thing about being a scientist is like the majority of the workforce that does science is just like really, really young, super intelligent kids. Right. Like these kids are brilliant. They're doing, you know, PhD thesis in physics and math at like age seventeen. But don't you like sometimes feel like, you're like you don't know what the world is, you haven't lived? Yeah, no, 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 no. But it's 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 fun to have the brain that I do. And empower these people to develop into more than just STEM talent. Sure. You know, like science, technology, math, like to become people and like learn the the soft skills of real life, not just like, can you, you know, do a triple integral without a calculator kind of nonsense. Wow. But like, it's easier for me to talk to them because they already have this baked into their generation. Mm. Where, like, I'm their manager, and, like, yeah, they look up at me, and they're like, ew, who's that old man? But, like, also, like, I feel like I can connect with them in a way that when I think back to the people that mentored me, they were unable to do so. And I feel this responsibility to, like, not make mental health or diversity, equity, inclusion, or, like, all the other politicized, like, nonsense about the reality that we live in right now part of my mentorship style that seems politicized or like you know like artificially implemented because that's what's in vogue right now but rather like those conversations are the easiest conversations to have with the next generation Mm, and like sure i think some of that is because of the let's start the conversation and like you know like that but like 
where it's clearly working on the younger generation. It is not working on the generation above us. It's dividing. It's dividing. And it's and, and to it's, be sandwiched in the middle of it, you sort of have to choose whether you're going to apply your time and expertise and intelligence and like all this sort of stuff. And like the clear as day choice that I've made is just sort of like, I don't have the time, effort or energy to manage up. Like no. I'm going to focus on the people that I'm, I'm interested in mentoring and building careers with and, and helping those people off and, and achieve all the things they want to. And like, my hope is that we essentially just replace in the workforce and the, the political system. And they're like, they just, they got to go. They've been sure. given the chance to amend sure. their views and they haven't. So like, yeah, what am I yeah. supposed to do? No, I, I, you know, it kind of reminds me in a weird way. I mean, this is so like mom right now, but I've been <laughs> meeting with a bunch of different preschools. Like she's not starting for like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I love this. We should, like, do, we should do the whole preschool thing on the podcast. Yeah, but we could totally get into that. Like <laughs> I, let's do a total full episode on that. But this reminds me in the sense of, you know, I've really been, I've been drawn to the kind of Montessori program um, mm-hmm. for for preschools. I'm not saying that's what she's going to do, but like it's something that I've been very curious about on learning mm-hmm. um, because it feels very structured. And I feel like I just did an interview with someone and we were talking about how there is so much freedom and structure and people think that structure is like a bad thing. And for me, like I thrive with structure. It's how I'm able to, you know, keep my mental illness at bay. Um, I see that my daughter thrives with structure, like Lady thrives with that um, and becomes a better version of herself with it, you know, and I do yeah. as well. Um, so I think there's just certain minds that I think are, are better at that, like that find peace at that. And then there's kids that find peace at free play, which is amazing as well. But I, I'm just trying to figure it all out. But what I yeah. think what's really cool about the Montessori is that, you know, these kids will grow and they're all in the same class and they're all within like three to four or five age difference, you know, with each other. I think it's like three to four years. And it's like, at first the babies go in there and they learn from the older kids. And like Lady has a lot of friends who have um, siblings that are a little bit older and she like craves that attention. She craves like learning from the big kids. She wants to hang out with the big kids and is like, oh my gosh, like let's go do this whoa, look at what they're doing. This is awesome and growing. And then the older kids in Montessori then end up being the teachers and they end up teaching, like not, there are teachers, there are, you know, but I mean, like they end up teaching the little ones. <laughs> they're responsible play, for learning your times tables. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but they end up teaching then the youngers. And so it's this like, you know, full circle moment that they have in preschool. And I think that that's so cool because it's kind of what you're experiencing, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. you went and you learned from an older generation and from your, you know, bosses about, you know, science and technology technology and math and like innovations. And like, here you are now where you're the boss, even though you're still in the grand scheme of things, David, like you're fucking young, you know, um, I'm a little itty baby. You're a it baby. starts with a three now though. I know, but it's still a three. <laughs> like it's not anything more than that, you know, and you're still the baby, but here you are, yep. you know, acting as the teacher, but you are having the mindset of, I want to learn from them. 
Like mm. I, and so I think it, it's very similar to that Montessori program where it's like the, the, you know, the student becomes the teacher and then the teacher becomes the student. And it's like this whole circular mm. like motion. And I think it's so cool because wow, like what you can teach these kids and what these kids are teaching you. Like, it's cool. I think that's a, it's a mindset that we need to be open to and we need to use in our everyday yeah. life. Um, because age is nothing but a number, you know? Um, and we can do take, so much. I'm going to take a hard turn here. Oh God. The phone. Okay. Okay. I've been, there's this website that I follow. That's like, tech and like nerdy people news sure it's like a, a blog for nerds about like okay. oh amd and nvidia are releasing these new gpus to do machine learning like weird stuff but they just ran a package where they're like they do a big end of the year package every year about like some like technology meets cultural moment and this year's is the death of twitter wow and they're like recapping like twitter is no longer twitter it's x whatever you want to say about elon whatever but they're just like looking back at how the existence of Twitter and like putting your like thoughts and feelings into 280 characters of text, mm -hmm. like online shapes the way that we learn to communicate with each other. I think a lot of what I'm witnessing is, and I, and I'm seeing it with myself too. And like, I get to do this because part of my job is doing this, you know, like I get to write book, book chapters. I get to like write like really long form pieces of text, give long presentations, like do a lot of detail work. But like my wife works in, in PR, she writes copy and press releases and tweets and manages social media and like all this stuff. I like, had this conversation with her. I was like, oh my God, I think my thoughts are the lengths of tweets because wow. I've just consumed things on Twitter for so long. Wow. Like, you know what I mean? Like you think in these like sure. really short bites and then you move on to the next thing. Yeah. Like algorithmic feeds, scrolling, really short computed bites of text that are opinions. We get to, I think Twitter was this place where you could send a tweet out about like a half-baked idea and then just get like a bunch of feedback instantly where people would be like, I hate you or you're super hot. And it was like never anywhere in between, but then you would just like right. uprank or downrank the responses that you wanted and like evolve your arguments. Mm -hmm. Like a new form of journalism, a new way that we think, a new way that we engage with others, a new way that we seek feedback or cause and effect relationships. Like it's all mm -hmm. sort of a function of here is a text box and you can only put 280 characters into it. Right. And I like, I finally deleted Twitter off my phone. And like, I still tweet and like, it's like a weird place where like the best news and the best way to interact with scientists is actually on, on Twitter because we're all there. Yeah. So like, there's like a weird work component of it that's still sure. sort of implanted in my brain. Sure. But I'm starting to sort of realize in, in real time that like, the way that we interact with each other and we talk about our feelings is in these bite-sized tweets. Mm. How are you really doing? It's a tweet. It is. I've like, done and, it and, a lot. And, and like, 
there's something about like unplugging and like figuring out how to reset your brain and be like, I think a reason why I'm coming back to this vocabulary issue of I don't know how to describe how I'm feeling to people because I have such this like large lived experience around bipolar disorder. And I have such a, what feels to me like a newfound perspective after, you know, a decade of going through this as, as a functioning adult. And like that explanation does not fit in that text box. No. So like, even if I knew what to say, I can't compress it into the form that people are comfortable. Yeah. And that is like the other layer to this of like, oh, I feel great. It's sometimes the easiest answer because it's the shortest one. It's the most digestible one. But it's not really representative of like Mm -hmm. how I'm actually doing and that complexity there. And just like people's brains and the way that we've, come to normally communicate with each other are not programmed to hear the longer answer anymore. No, no. And it's like really tough to communicate this stuff. Remember when people used to write like long Tumblr posts? Uh, Yes, I feel like I did. I had one called Geek of the Week and I would pick like a celebrity and I would make him my Geek of the Week. Like what the fuck? (laughs) No, but like I'm saying, like, it's such a function. And it's like, you know, like people don't draw these lines. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to just take two disparate ideas and connect them. But like, so much of mental health advocacy has taken place on the internet. Yeah. And to not talk about that concept in reverse of what has what impact has the internet had on how we talk about mental Mm -hmm. health and not the other way around. Like, yes, it's a great delivery system. You're connected directly with your audience. If Twitter did not exist, if Instagram did not exist, these nonprofits and brands would never be able to put up tweets of being like, Hey, you know, like the jet foundation, for example, like, you know, like, Hey, like we need to talk about mental health. We want to connect with students on college campuses across the United States. Like, they spoke directly to their audience. Like, I'm not saying these tools are a bad thing. They created a bunch of progress. And we wouldn't be where we are now without them. But now that like one of these tools that was deeply impactful is sort of dying and dead, like Twitter no longer exists, X will be something new in the future, like yada yada. Like if you sort of look back and like play the question in reverse of like, wait a minute, like the way that we talked about these things how we connected with our audiences were like directly shaped by some guy in an office in San Francisco being like, Hey, I think that we should raise the character limit to 280 and being like, that has like wild health and social impacts. It's sort of just like breaks your brain a little bit. And then like, I'm seeing it play out in my day to day being like, I can, it's not that I lack the vocabulary to describe to people what I'm going through. Like I can sit down and write it out long form and edit it and like come up with an elevator pitch for it. But it's like people's brains aren't optimized to hear it. So here's my question. And that's just like, I'm, I'm, that's where I'm at with all this. of just like, I'm, you know, like, right. No. If you think about it, like quitting smoking, like I'm in the Nicorette gum phase of it right right. now. And I'm not totally on the other side of it, but I'm just like, man, like, we're not going to even start to understand the the impacts here 
of like maybe the reason we can't get to the like what comes after let's start the conversation is because of the distribution method. Like so, we can't get to the next thing in mental health because we're still stuck on the platforms right. that don't allow for those deeper conversations to happen or like, 100%. I don't know, like, but, but it's just like, it's this weird thing I've been grappling with lately. And I think it, it, it helps answer the question of how are you that you yeah. asked me in the well, beginning. So really? I just, <laughs> but here's, here's my question. So there, there, you know, someone had come to me um, and had approached me um, with an idea of coming up with like a mom blog. Right. And I was mm-hmm. like, it's like, who has blogs anymore? Like who reads these things? Like, <laughs> I certainly don't like, what do you mean? I have my Instagram and you know, I do all these Instagrams and I do all these reels and I do all these TikToks and everything. And it's like nothing like goes anywhere. Right. It's, it's not mm-hmm. exploding the way that it could be. I have good content. I have good information. Like with the podcast, like the podcast is its own like family. And then there's like the family of social media and like, they really don't interact that well together, you know? Um, well, that's because listening to a podcast while horny is much different than scrolling through Instagram while horny. Words to live by. So, <laughs> words to live by. But I was a, I, I, someone ha- who was a guest on my show talked about how she always would write emails. Um, like, you know, subscription emails and someone had come up mm-hmm. with something called Substack, I think. And it's, it's mm-hmm. a company where, or it's an app or website or something where anyways, you write these like, you know, blog posts, basically like subscription newsletters. Mm-hmm. And I was like, God, that's such a great idea. Like, I'd really love to do that because I feel like there's so much information that I, that I get every single day that I can't really share in a 30 second reel, right? And, or like, I'll do it at TikTok and people will be like, nah, my people watched it and they're like not into it. But it's like, I show a picture of my boobs, hence what you were saying, like horny on Instagram and like that's where all the likes come. And I'm like, yeah, but I have such valuable information, like specific mom information. I'm not talking about mental health podcasts. I'm talking about like mom information of like, Hey, this food works or Hey, this activity is great. Or Hey, this Montessori type based, you know, or free play, based, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. I have all this information, but do you think that people are going to take that change and want to read long form letters? This is a question for you. This is a question for the audience right now. Like, yeah, yeah, is, yeah, that yeah. A, is that something that's yeah? That's like, be subscribe, right? In the comments, if you want to blog post, but like, but would you listen to that? Would you? I mean, would you read that? Yeah, but I'm a huge nerd. Like, I read textbooks right, for but fun. That's my audience. Like, you're my fucking <laughs> audience, dude. Like, like, and I think for me, like, if you're a mom, gonna write like, like I, a blog post. And yeah. there's going to be like academic figures in it. And it's going to be like figure five, thirst trap of me. Like back to talking about the context for which Montessori schools are good for structured learning. Right? But I mean, like it's going to be a blend of the two. But like to come back yeah. to this, like really hammered over the head, like the reels and stuff, like what people want to consume is you. They don't want to consume your ideas right now. And that's not a function of you. That's a function of the platform. Like you don't have time or space when you make a reel to be like, oh, check out this Montessori school thing because and then like fill in the blank on why the context matters or like specifically who this is for. You can't. So like what you've seen is just like 
like the internet has turned into Kim Kardashian's Instagram feed, not because that's what people want, but because that's what the feed optimizes for. Mm, right, right, right. And then it makes people feel bad about themselves. Because like we're all like primitive monkeys just like scrolling through the internet being like, oh, I like that. No, I don't like that. And like if that's the only mode that you're consuming content in, mm. no wonder why academic things or things that matter don't get upvoted. Mm. So like to you, like, you know, like there's a, a, a physical time constraint, like is it worth your time? to carve out more of your day and write a long blog? That's a, a question only you can answer. But I do think there's something here to changing the medium through which you deliver this information might be hugely impactful on how people are engaging with it. And like you might find a smaller audience, you might find a different audience, like there's all the other factors here. But I think at the end of the day, there's something to this idea of how does the text box look or how long of a video can you record dictates what is important. Sure, sure, sure. Before we even talk about what we're making videos or writing things about. And I think that that's a conversation that when applied to being a mom, being a new parent, talking about your mental health. Those things are much harder to do in those constraints. Mm-hmm. And the things that are easier to do are to sell bikinis. And just like we have to be able to call a spade a spade. And it's taken us 14, 15 years to get sure. there on the internet. Yeah. But I think that there's a space for the stuff that you're doing, that we're doing, the conversations we're trying to have. I just don't know if it's, if it's real or even if it should be. If it should be, you know what I maybe mean? It like, be. maybe I'm like, trying maybe it to make shouldn't something. be. Like, like I see a bunch Square of moms ground doing hole, man. Yeah, you never know, you know. Well, it's on not another you. It's note, the internet. It's not me. It's the internet. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. But on another note, talking about our mental health and how we're feeling better, you know, I, I talked about it a little bit on the podcast on how I had um, thought that I would finally, I was finally feeling better, and I was finally feeling like myself again, and and. When I say myself again, I, I will never be myself again because I'm. Yeah, you'll different. never be that. But I, I was feeling like I was feeling good. I was feeling that fire inside me again, where I was like, I'm ready to take on the world. I'm ready to take on the business. I'm ready to, you know, just be myself and and be awesome. You know, beyond just being this identity of a mom, because I've I've lost who I am, and that's just the true honesty of it. I have mm-hmm. no idea who I am. That is an internal battle that I go through every single day, but I was starting to feel a little bit more like the older version of Alessandra that I love. That being said, an event happened. Someone almost hit me with their car while I was pushing lady. Um, It became a huge fight. The person was screaming at me like it was my fault. And the pedestrian, from everything I've read, you know, pedestrians have the right of way, um, even though I was not in the middle of the street, and I was not speeding in a residential area, but that is neither here nor there. Point is, I was completely debilitated. I could not breathe. I could not speak. I was hyperventilating. I was shaking. 
And I had gone right back to that postpartum anxiety that I had 10 days postpartum when I was hemorrhaging and I had no idea why, if I was going to live or not. Um, and I had posted a video and a friend of mine, Carmeet, um, who was on the podcast before, she's amazing. Um, she had reached out to me and she was like, this is what's happening. You're going to get neurofeedback. You can go to therapy. You can get CBT. You can do all these things. It's going to take time. Neurofeedback is going to be the quickest, most efficient way for you to nip this in the bud because you cannot let this get any worse because you're going to spiral. David, I've done, I would say, seven or eight um, neurofeedback therapies. And all I could think about was you during this um, experience. But the type of neurofeedback therapy that I've been doing is where they put the things on my head, right? Electrodes, yeah. Electrodes. Mm -hmm. And we have a conversation. And it's like not a big deal. It's not even therapy. It's like just a chat. Um, I don't read a, um, I don't read anything. I don't look at a screen. It's very mm -hmm. quick. It's 20 minutes. It's in and out. When I tell you after the, I would say second session, I was able to get back on my street, walk my baby without any fear um, and without being debilitated. It was the craziest thing that ever happened to me with such an immediate result where I was like, where has this been all my life? And then I remember, I do believe that you were giving yourself neurofeedback therapy. We're, we got to do a whole new podcast episode here now. Okay. Okay. So we should save this. Press pause. Press pause. Okay. Part two. Okay. Part we're going to leave this for part two. <laughs>